I think a lot of like the semantics and the language that we use, I think it's it's going to actually when when does one use that for themselves and when is that asked of when somebody else places you in that position. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai, and each week I bring you a guest from the creative industry and we discuss all things life and culture all while sipping and sipping some hot chai. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you stream your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode and let's warm up our cuppers. Let me know what you're sipping on as you listen to this episode on your stories. And let's welcome into our ears, into our lives, theatre maker and associate director at Leeds Playhouse, Samina Hussain. So the game is called Five Second Rule and basically you have five seconds to answer three things. So our test question is, in five seconds, what are three things you do before you go to sleep? Go. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> five seconds! It's not as long as I think it is. Right, I'm ready. What are five things before you go to sleep? Double check, I've locked the door. Just ablutions um, and say a prayer. So, right. Wait, are you fasting right now or not really? I am. When you were saying bring your chai and I was like, my theoretical chai. Oh, got no, it. I don't drink, also, I don't drink chai, which I know is so controversial. No, it's not. What you could, Like chai is basically tea. I need people to stop thinking chai is like masala chai or like Kashmiri chai or anything no, like that. I don't drink tea. I don't drink chai. I'm At all? Yeah. Oh, yes, tea. I remember Chai is overrated. One of the thing, facts that would get me killed. <laughs> no, okay, I remember this because I offered you if you would like a tea and you were like, no, I don't drink chai. And then you don't, wait, am I correct to say you also don't drink coffee or you do drink coffee? I drink coffee. I'm a coffee. I love my coffee, which I've been off for about 11 days now. So it's all happening. Well, how is uh, iftar and everything going? Like, what's the thing that you're breaking your fast with these days? So it's, it's really lovely, actually. I don't know. I like we've gone. I've just realized I've we finished our like we've got two different sets of dates that we use which are the house favorites yeah so open a fast with dates and some rubs are which i make with water which is also controversial because you've got the milk yeah. crew and then you've got the water crew and i'm sure i'm like offending someone and then a platter of fruit is a star and depending on who else is joining us for the iftari dictates the menu but those three uh, are, a, are a are a given have you ever done this? I remember when I was fasting very, very little, like some people would just drink water before they started their fast and that was it. And then when they would break their fast, it was like rasmalai, fucha, <laughs> samosas, everything, just like literally a feast. I know. Like, no, I've been quite good with like my seri. Like I'll, I'll have like, um, I do a sokma oats overnight, all of that. Oh, you're doing healthy, not even like paratha yeah. or anything like that. No, I think on the weekend, occasionally a paratha sneaks in because my dad's like off on the weekends and he he makes parantas on the weekends and I'm like, right. okay. But even then, I'm like, depends what I'm doing the following day because it just gives you heartburn, man. It does. Like, <laughs> but I'm, all right, I'm we're going to dive back into the games then, if that's okay. So this, this is your official questions. Remember, five seconds. Okay. So in an interview for Hull Truck, you discuss how you have an annual tradition of taking your nieces and nephews to watch theatre shows. So with that in mind, and looking through your theatre and the gifs or the gifs, whatever, which crew you belong to that you share, list three films starring one of your favourite gifs that have made it into your 
profile quite a lot and your favorite Bollywood actress according to digital media Kajol which isn't even one she's but actually you know you get a popular gift for Karan Arjun when she's within the stable <laughs> wait is Kajol your favorite actress or am I just making that up no, she is one of my favorites. So we'll do a Bollywood. Is that, did I did I understand the question right? I feel like I just yeah, got excited by gifts <laughs> and gajol and Bollywood. <laughs> no, it's fine. I did say Dilwali Jangi. You did say Dilwali Dunia. That's great. That'd be upsetting if I'd forgotten that one. That is true. That is true. All right. In another interview about your work, uh, Babul, and your discussion at the University of Huddersfield, which, by the way, is there a video of Babul? I would like you to share that piece because it looks like a very interesting piece that I would like to watch. And I've connected with it very much. And I saw a clip of your dad watching it. Was it? Yeah, 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 I think there may be some footage of it. Yeah, it was a very, um, it's a very special piece actually for many reasons. Both one. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Okay. But yeah, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, you discussed when giving this interview how doing drama gave you a solid foundation. I'm quoting you: a solid foundation for your professional career, both in terms of networks and developing the practice. So, with that in mind, list three policies you would run as as mayor of Leeds. Go. Um, free public transport. Um, free school meals and arts for all. Okay, you almost made it. You almost made it. That's a good one. That's a good one. And this is your final, final five second rule. In your bio, it says, quoting you again, the majority of your work is rooted in community theatre. It has always been about getting to know the community, telling their stories and engaging them in the creative experiences. You're also passionate about making theatre a safe space, <laughs> enabling dialogue and connection, a place to not only build a community, but for it to thrive. So with that in mind... I feel ready, go. With that in mind, list three flowers that only bloom in the summer. Go. Gladiolis, sunflower, tulips. No, yeah. that's wrong. Tulips are in spring. That's okay. That's okay. Well done. Brilliant. I can't get Kajol and Gurun Arjuna out of my head. I, all I've got is like that you could ask me for another gift and I've got a list of Kajol gifts, but that isn't the game. That's okay. You can breathe now. We've gone through the game yes, route. It's going to be now deep conversations and everything. And we're just going to chill chat until the end where we have to play fast games again. How was your day? How is your headspace? What did you have for Siri? I, so I, I've not been very well most of this year. And then yeah. today is, um, I was saying earlier to everyone at work, I was like, I feel really giddy. Mm -hmm. So, which is nice. It's nice to be feeling giddy. I'm enjoying the sunshine, though it's freezing. Uh, it's like three degrees, which is very misleading. My seri was nice, actually. I had my over overnight soaked oats again. But I mixed it up a bit. I threw some dates in, had some fruit, like some flax seeds were in there. Like it was all happening. Huh? Oh. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh -oh. um, so that was quite nice. Yeah, very chilled. Also, like, it's really lovely where I live, like, there's quite a lot of like Muslim families in the area and they'll they'll check in on each other to see if somebody's not awake if the lights aren't on, which oh, is really nice. lovely. And sometimes they'll be like, Oh, we made food and they'll still share food at Sari. So it's very um yeah, it's proper lovely. That's nice. Um, before we get into another deep conversation, one of the things that I saw I was literally stalking your Twitter today was that you had a hair appreciation post and I am all about hair, whether it's short, curly, I was bald the first time I met you. Now I have hair. So my question to you is, have you always had long hair? Right now it looks light brown. Have you ever dyed it? 
would you ever want to do something controversial like a fringe or go blonde or something like that? All right, I'll answer those in order. Um, so yes, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm. I do love hair, <laughs> and yeah. I appreciate good hair. I've always kind of had it long. I'd say like the yeah. shortest I've probably had it is probably still long. Like it's like way like halfway just above my elbow, which still is long. It's um, thick, man. It's thick and it's curly and like. Because women moan about like losing hair and it thinning all the time and stuff like that. No, I mean, again, credit goes to my parents for like all of that thin malish when I was a kid, man. Yeah. Do you know what? I always wanted to fringe. No hairdresser would like agree to. They were like, mate, with your forehead, it's too small. Don't do it. You ain't got a forehead. You got, you got a small head. That's what I mean. I was like, what's that about? So that didn't happen. I've, I have like considered having like an undercut, but I've only like thought about that. I've never like fully... Kind of clearly like follow through with it. Partly because I'm like I'd lose the thickness of my hair, which I really like. No uh, wig work. No, like in all your performance work, you've not done a wig or anything like that. Oh my gosh, there was one which I blocked out. Now that you, it's only because you mentioned blonde, and um, it was back when I was in college. Like I, I don't even know why we kind of agreed to this, and I hope there's no footage of it anywhere. But um, there is in one please, of the roles. Please, I was in please. this like this horrendous bleach blonde wig and I was playing a French character oh <laughs> remember that it was just but the worst thing was it was like bleach blonde and then these like beautifully dark eyebrows it was like mate what's happening um but no no happened. what was this production called so we can like really... uh, no, that's, no, <laughs> we can, not like going... go into the Facebook archives <laughs> or MySpace whatever it is right now no I'm knowing your investigative uh, detective skills you'll probably find it so no well listen digital <laughs> world um if you have a <laughs> from college in a blonde wig please post it and send it oh nice i love that um let's get into your career and let's talk about it i'm interested to know when i was even speaking to like cash how i firstly sometimes love the fact that actors turn into directors or performers turns into directors but i'm more interested in what is like the driving glue that turns you from that is it the fact that you want to create work is it the fact that you're just like cash's response was he was a lazy actor and i was like that's really fascinating to know cash but I'm interested to know how you went from performance into directing. And then also reading a lot of your work, you call yourself a theater maker, which I'm intrigued to know for you, what is the the different or the changing factor between a director and then realizing that you're a theater maker? So I guess I I wouldn't say, I mean, I've done jobs when I've been an actor. Like I'm, I, I wouldn't class myself as an actor. I don't think I can call myself an actor just because I think the level of graft and work that goes into do you know what I mean like I think it's not just performer yeah 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 and and I think I'm a performer and I do perform an act but I think to say that I'm an act that that I, that I ever wasn't a full-time actor I don't think I was because I just didn't go through the graft that goes into so big respect to, to actors who do. I think for me, um, my journey into directing, I, I always just always enjoyed making and telling stories, even as kid like and and I guess professionally that shift happened quite late in my career like um, I guess I kind of knew it for a long time but calling myself a director came quite late I I did a brilliant course at Huddersfield Uni and I did drama at Huddersfield Uni which really opened up the many possibilities of what drama can take you into 
you know, like from it wasn't actor, writer, director, you know, it was it really interrogated performance training. It really talked about applied theatre, like what and, and also what your voice is in that, whether you are a di writer, director, facilitator, and which I think really laid out a really strong foundation for me. And I met some incredible people um, who had their own practice and were really dedicated. You know, we did magic, we did martial arts, we, you know, and it was just going, okay, what's the relationship between Calgary Payat and theatre? Right. So it's so that was really like a really key turning point for me of going, actually, what can I do with drama? And in terms of directing, I guess it's interesting because I've always directed, but I'd never called myself that, which is probably says more. <laughs> um, and and I think partly like I must have been back in 2017, um, I got to a point where I, I kind of got a bit tired of just or started questioning my kind of idea of theatre and what theatre can be. And and because I kept meeting, what's the word? Like a lot of a lot of doors were, were just not opening and not in terms of work, but what I was expecting theatre to be or like ideas that I was suggesting. And and I thought maybe I just don't understand what, maybe theatre can't be for everyone. Maybe theatre yeah. can't bring us all together. And then somebody posed the question saying, have you ever thought of being an artistic director or being an artistic leader? And I was like... And I, and, I, and I think as a kid, I definitely did. As a kid, I was definitely in that category and clearly like... Well, as a kid, you wanted to have your own building with an artistic practice? No, but I mean, but, but I mean, I was, a, I was a leader. Like, I was like, okay, let's make things happen. And that gets, got it, got it. you know, going actually had the potential of that. And I think over the years that does get, it's just chipped away at you. <laughs> this this industry does that to you or it did to me anyway, or just also what's happening in the world and what's expected of you. Yeah. And then I was like, actually, I was just really interested in going, actually, where are the decisions make and made and when are they made? Because a lot of like the proposals that I was bringing or ideas that I was pitching, they were like, oh, well, that we, we can't do that now. We need like six months or we need 12 months. And I was like, OK, well, where where's that room and where's how do I make that happen? So and then I just kind of packed my bags, really. I, I quit the job at the time. I, I had no job lined up. And I was like, right, OK, I just need to pay attention to what I what I want to do. Yeah. What is that? Like, actually, I really, I want to direct. Like, that's, I want to make stories. I want to collaborate. And 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 that's what I kind of did then, actually. Like, so I feel like I'm not... No, um, I can... ...directly answered the question. Because there's never, like, a straight route or a straight answer. Sometimes it'd be great to go, yeah, well, I did this course, and then I worked in this building, and then I did this, and now... I'm, Don't like, worry, I'll, I'll relay that back. I'll relay that back. <laughs> but I think from your responses, what I'm interested to know are two... <clears throat> specific things when was the switch when do you feel like you became acknowledged with the word director because I feel like there's a lot of um, conversations around when you're an emerging artist to mid-career to an established artist so I wonder if the conversation that you had with yourself is similar to that that other people have and two is what was the from reading a lot of your work and having been around you for like two days that I was what is the the different factor of being a director and a theatre maker for you and do you consider yourself now a theatre maker still or by job title you're an associate director good questions you know what I I never I think a lot of like the semantics and the language that we use I think it's it's going to actually when when does one use that for themselves and when is that asked of when somebody else places you in that position so like I never thought of myself as entry emerging or established that's always measured by <laughs> by the people exactly yeah. and or or institutions or whatever the setup is like I I'd say on like actively kind of going seeking out directing jobs 
like assistant directing jobs was only back in 2017. And I think I then and then I did do some freelance directing jobs prior to that, but they were I was never a direct I never pitched myself as a director. I was a facilitator. Also I think that like especially in West Yorkshire and I think around the country, but the scene was very different ten years ago. Even like, you know, fifteen years ago, like there was lots of creative artistic jobs happening actually facilitating projects. And I think that's shifted mm-hmm. loads. So and even now I was like, actually we're always I'm always learning. So I think if one to call like yourself established, I don't I don't know what that means. Yeah. I think one could say, oh, you're established because you're an associate director in an organization. Okay, if that's what the measure is, like that's not my metrics. Got if that's it. somebody else's metrics, you know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, yeah. So I, I I think that's the thing. In terms of your other point about theatre maker to director, I'd say I sit between both of those things because I think for me, it, they, they're not that different. And maybe a director, like, I think for me, theatre making is directing. But I think mm. as a director, it depends on, again, what project, who you're working with, what's like it's it's a label and a title that's useful people go actually okay you're the director you're the lighting designer you're this person and that's the kind of like structure of a team that's put together but for me like I, I feel like I sit more within the theatre making camp because it for me it encompasses not just what's happening in a rehearsal room or when you're on stage or when you're into it's 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 beyond that it's going actually who the story's for like what's the audience experience from door to door like I'm rather than just in a rehearsal room got it but I think for me like yeah I'd say I can't pick one over the other take a couple steps back for to talk about RTYDS which I'm very intrigued about and discussing your experience with RTYDS how did you come across it and how comes you chose Leeds Playhouse versus other spaces and what has been the process for you for that 18 month residency to now being an associate director. First of all, big up R2YDS, absolute legends. A lot of love, a lot of respect for R2YDS. Absolutely good that they did. They were not successful there in PO. That's just a horrendous decision that's been made. Yeah, so for me, R2YDS. So the R2YDS, like, I mean... And this is maybe because it speaks to like how much uh, my either lack of knowledge or access to information. Like I didn't know about RTYDS until 2018 and it's what, 60, 50 years old. Like it's been going on for such a long time. So I learned about RTYDS. Actually, it came through um, a director that I'd assisted. That's when I was assisting, I think again, yeah, Joyce Brother. I was assisting Joyce on a panto and she'd sent it across to me. And prior to that, I'd done a three months JMK placement at Leeds Playhouse so I in my mind I thought well I've worked there three months they're not going to want me back (laughs) so so for a long time I didn't I was like oh I can't and then I thought you know what I'll put the applicant it's been an interesting ride with RTYDS like I almost didn't apply for RTYDS that's the wild thing like I'd I'd had the application ready and I didn't send it and then literally to the wire I was like do you know what just just give it a go so I sent that off and yes at the time the residency there was a post at Leeds Playhouse and the other post was at Tobacco Factory which went to Jay who's also a brilliant director and and for me like choosing Leeds was like moving to Bristol wasn't an option so um just because I'd spent actively chose to stay in this region for such a long time and for me it's it was important learning about theatre regional theatre theatre making in this part of the country so yeah and it was brilliant actually like I think it was I'm so sorry to everyone listening I keep forgetting the questions bear with okay. bear with journey from RTYDS to so, 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 yes. the second half 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did say I was giddy and hyper today. The sun oh, is shining. Um, my journey from RTYDS. So actually what was interesting while I was doing my RTYDS residency, I was in Perth for five months and it was an 18 months post and the pandemic hit after five months. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So then what followed was me being, yeah, just the residency just changed drastically. Um, and the the premise of the residency is to be based in a building along with like making your own show. It's also actually about artistic leadership and learning about, I guess, the cogs of an organization, like how how does a building run? What's it, you know, what's it's the stuff that you don't get access to, even if you're unless you're in those rooms. So what what better than so it meant that it changed the residency completely. I wasn't going to assist on some shows and then make my own production. That didn't happen. But what I got to learn was seeing a team of people, seeing an organization manage a pandemic. So having firsthand experience of people taking on this this situation that's presented to them. And I guess I I don't know, like I guess being part of that and I, I mean who I mean I can't really pinpoint what the deciding factors were for Leeds Playhouse to ask me to join as associate director. But I think that that definitely informed the relationship because we were having different conversations Got it. Um, and who knows whether if the pandemic didn't happen would the journey have been the same I, I mean we don't know do we right that's a whole sliding doors <laughs> episode elsewhere god knows what I'm up to in that parallel life <laughs> yeah so then and then the associate director all came after that before we move on is there a process because you know how in corporate companies and certain theatre organizations are run like corporate spaces did you have to go through the programming of like 18 month to artistic associated uh artistic associate director to then associate director to then like the next stage would be executive or they kind of it just it's a job occupancy like if you fit the role and you have the qualifications for it they just give um, it um i think it's a question i think it depends on i imagine it depends on circumstance and role and where an organization's are. i don't think it's as clean cut as that because you could be doing a role elsewhere yeah. or be freelancing on projects so you could not be in that title but you have the skill set got it you lead on that kind of so i don't think it's I don't know, actually. We'll see. I'll let you know in a couple of years' time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, would you like to? Would you be interested in becoming like an executive director or having, like, regardless of like not Leeds Playhouse, maybe it is Leeds Playhouse. If you want to say it, you can say mm-hmm. it. But would you like to have like a building as like an agent? Yeah, yeah that, no, that, that's the plan. Yeah. It's like, it's not even a, would I like to, like, in. That is the, that is the, you thing. know, and, and unless like, you know, life happens and things might change. But I think for me, it's about, yeah it's about being part of a team and it's not it's not the role itself like it's not like I want to be in but I think for me it's about being a leader of an organization of a space which encompasses values that match mine and it's about how that space can be for its people and how stories and art is at the center of that. I'm so intrigued by the fact that you're still holding on to so much like creative juice because by being in those rooms this this year and the last two years I have been like mandated and like filled with the business of theater and I am so fascinated with how like the business of theater like even an artistic director role is not as creative sometimes and I am like shocked by that so I think the two questions that I narrowed it down to in discussing the business of the industry are two, which is one, how do you balance your artistic and let's just say creative voice mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. versus of those in the room. So whether that is a direct relationship with the writer, the sound, the set and everything, whether that's the creative team or the producers, the, mm-hmm. the press and things like that, whatever, however you interpret that, how do you balance your yourself in that? And the two is I'm really really effing intrigued to learn about programming in theater how it works how it's like sometimes just set a years ahead how that's built into the npo and who's a part of that conversation and then how does creativity actually become part of that so i think for me and and not just within my role at the playhouse i think like even when I'm worked as a freelance director, I think ultimately for me, it's really, and I think maybe more so when it's freelance, because I think when you're within the institution, it's slightly different because you have a closer relationship and you know the agenda of the organisation. We know the team, like it's a different dynamic. Um, but I think it's showing that there's a shared values, like that's really important because I think if there's not shared values, and that isn't just in relationship to the story that's being told, but just how a space is held and how people communicate with each other and and that respect across across the kind of hierarchy of roles is really really key because then that will that will ripple through everything else you know because in terms of like how like in terms of you asking about like rest of the creative team I'd, I'd like to think I've run quite an open space like it's quite an open conversation like I think and that's where communication is really key quite early on so we're all on the same page and that doesn't mean that we all have to have the same opinions or the same kind of you know there's been moments where there's been back and forth but if that mutual respect is there and there's a shared understanding of why we're telling this story or what's yeah why we've come together I think then that allows tension tension isn't necessarily bad like you know conflict isn't necessarily bad in those spaces when we've got the shared vision to do the best yeah do our best to serve the story and that's the same like in terms of producing and marketing as well it's just going actually it's interesting when you talk because I think the creative conversation with other creatives is slightly different from when you're talking from a kind of producer marketing side of things because it's also like how are we sharing what's going on here how are we sharing that with the outside world and again like I think it just comes back to having shared values but also like even if there are moments of you know differences it's it's finding ways to communicate which are open and graceful and and not taking it personally oh that's hard to do that is hard to do but what I mean is when I say not to take it personally I mean it's going actually like I have to honor the story that I'm telling and the people that it's reflecting not personally in the sense that like you know because there could be something that they're saying actually going oh does that serve the story that we're telling and the work that we're making and the artistry the collective artistry or is it just me because I'm just like no no but I said this do you know like and I make myself sound like I'm you know and that's the thing to keep an eye on of going find a space to have those vents and rants and then but then bring it back to the work got it like and that's what I mean when they say not to take it personally like just recognize when is it about your own ego and when is it about the work which is then it sounds <laughs> yeah but I think I think then then there's integrity in the work and then that's when you're like I think it's, it's good to get things wrong and learn and also um it's okay not to have all the answers as well right. that's the other thing like I think one of the things that I, I as a start of a process I remember working on a I think it was just just not so long after the pandemic and we didn't have long for a show and and we got together and I think we had like five days for a turnaround for a project that we were on or maybe two weeks just not very maybe yeah just not very long I just remember everyone going oh my gosh we've got 
we haven't got long and I was like right we're gonna spend a few days playing and literally they were all like what do you mean we're gonna play we haven't got time and I was like no like you're artists like let's pre- play and create rather than having to and we'll make the decisions when we need to yeah so I think it's I think as a director that's important in a room because you are setting you're setting the tone you know yeah so I think it's being mindful of what you're bringing into a space. Programming, I think that I think now we're in a really so interesting but quite a challenging time anyway. I think like post pandemic, the MPO results like where like it's quite a precarious place to be in. I think I think you're putting like going actually you know theatre is a business, but theatre is a business, and I think it always uh, and I don't mean just buildings like all organisations like ultimately you, you like where otherwise it's where's it how do we sustain ourselves you know and and I don't think it's necessarily, I think it's when you ask the artists to think, the artists, let the artists be artists, mm. the creatives be creatives, and the business needs to sit elsewhere. I think it's when those get, like, mixed up, you know, it's, that's when it gets tricky. In terms of programming, I think it's also, yeah, it needs to generate income, there's targets to be hit and met. It's also going, actually, what might not, that might not generate income, but we need to invest in. It's also about what's the legacy of the theatre. Yeah. It's also about building audiences developing artists so I think there's many like and I think it probably varies from organization to organization and sometimes it isn't a year in advance some things might be in the works because depending on the nature of what the show is it might have been in the works for 10 years because it's being developed or like actually it's also about other co-productions co-commissions that we're doing or something that's visiting in or so it depends what model that the work's being um programmed but I think ultimately like I think we can't I think one thing that we need to be I wish I knew more of anyway is about the finances <laughs> of like I remember like I, I was I remember chatting to someone who used to t- work at at uni the course that I did and I was like why did you guys not have a module on finance on finances yeah business I was like that's like I think sometimes as artists we're just which of course we're led by but it's like, no, money is really important. We shouldn't shy away from talking about money. Going, actually, how much is it going to cost? Because as soon as you put, not that you need a full understanding of it, but have that as part of your mood board. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or whatever it is, like, don't forget about the money aspect. Finan- I mean, I like no, 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 I think you're right. I think financial literacy is such a um, a thing that not even just creatively, I think in schools they need to teach. Absolutely. Uh, Shall we move on to your creative practice, which I'm really intrigued to know. In a lot of things you talk about, like safe spaces, I learned about like game playing for you. And one of the things that I now use is I I took it from, I borrowed it. I borrowed it from your workshop, which is I no longer say safe space. I say brave space because you were, I remember we were doing the workshop and a couple of things I took away. One person came in late and they said, Thank you for waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember you said, oh, take away safe space. Let's make it a brave space. And now I say a brave space. So intrigued to know um, what your approach is if we break it down into two spaces, which is when you do workshops, facilitations, Mm -hmm. auditions versus rehearsals, tech week and performances. How do you approach the world? How do you break it down for you? How do you sit in? Obviously, it's going to break down from project to project. But what is the overall yeah, thought process and your direction for it? I will try to answer it. Because, of course, there'll be variables in all of this. If there's, you know, depending on how long something is, how much time you've got lead up to it, leading up to it or whatever. In terms of, I, I said, you know what, with my, I think there's quite a lot of overlap. So I don't think I'll be able to split 
them as much. I think if I can, I try to send as much. If there's any information that I can send ahead of time, um, I do that. One of the things that I've recently started doing for rehearsal processes is ahead of rehearsals, I send um, two questions um, to the team. So that's um, from actors, creative team, stage management, producers, anyone who's going to be in the room, especially on the first day of rehearsals. And they are not my questions. They have been borrowed because that's the thing. We <laughs> borrow, we borrow. Um, is what do you need from me to do your best work? Oh, and- wait, did you teach me that? Because I do that as well now. <laughs> Might have been me. God, I that's use a, that That's now. a good workshop, man. I oh, say that so much. I'm like, as a director, what do you want out of me to feel fulfilled in your practice? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you need me? Yeah. What do you need? Oh, I've forgotten. What what should I what did I say, right? Yeah. What do you need need. from yeah, yeah, what do you need from me to do your best work? And what do I need to know about you in order for you to do your best work? I have borrowed these from you then. (laughs) Well done, man. (laughs) Carry on. I'm I've borrowed it as well. So it's just keeping the cycle going. And I think that that really I think that just like opens it up. It just allows people to think about actually, you know, because and and I think originally like it came out like what because we all have access needs right we the way that we want in order for us to how we enter into space and what we need and and sometimes we don't even think about it so we just go into default saying and also like i like same with i mean workshops not so much but like i if there's any like content warnings or any like any information that would be useful to know about the space that the time that's going to be spent with me um i send that out i start the day with a check in and i end the day with a check out and i think that's really important for me that's re- and i think it's also for me identifying what things are important for me and what are important for the room like mm. i need to cuz you're holding the space and if you're and sometimes the check like I know not everyone loves a check-in, but from <laughs> but but do you know what? But everyone at some point, I've still, you know, I've had many people go, they'll just do the check-in because they're just humoring me, which is great. That's fine. But then there will be a point in the process where they need to go, by the way, X has happened. This is where I'm at. Bear with me. And that at that point, that check-in's been really useful because it's just to go, do you know what? I'm just really I've just seen someone on the news and I'm just really pissed about it. Or I've just had this quote. If you want. Yeah. But um, it's not my so maybe you're just trying to be nice. Oh, I just generally don't do profanities, even pissed was a I do not. But thank you for giving me permission. <laughs> permission. Watch me, depending on what your next question is, I'll be effing and jeffing. Um, <laughs> so I think that's really important. I th- also, I'm not I'm not um, naive. Like, there's, I can't create a safe space. I can endeavour for a for that environment to be as safe as possible but I don't think truly that space can exist in that environments but it's also about it's about listening like I list I think listening is really important being mindful of my language that I use and I and I don't mean that in terms of profanities but like just mindful of the words that we use in a space and creating just not making any assumptions as well you know I think that's really important what else do I do try like I stick to my breaks I think I like you know God bless state managers, but I think I get brownie points. I never, I like, I try to be on the work. Like breaks are really important. Try to fuel up well. 
get my snacks. Do you know things like that, which you you, think, you don't think about, but it's like right, okay, where where's the bits that are filling me? Because you can't give from an empty cup, so it's just keeping a check on that. In terms of auditions, I'd like to say I try to make us again as much as an open, relaxed space, send out information. You ask people to be themselves and all of that. But of course, I don't know what people's journeys are, right? Like, um, but also like, I think, again, I think this also is about who you work with. Like I have, whether that be casting director or other creatives in the room, it's having a a team of people that it's not just you holding the space. They have the same, uh, what's the word? Just that compassion and care. And how they hold the space. Like I really like, you know, I love that moment in auditions, especially if I've got like fellow team members in and something will happen. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad, glad you're on my team. And not because of, yeah, of course, their brilliance and their artistry, but it's just how they hold the space with you. Yeah. You know, and there's an understanding of that. And I think also being, just being human in that, like, you know, people might have like a bad run and you go, okay, just being, not, not writing anyone off for no reason, like just allowing time yeah. and go actually, and being sensitive to that rather than, I don't know, I don't want to project, but like I, often I feel like those spaces can have more, people come with a certain assumption about an audition or a director or like, you know, they the, the, those words themselves carry certain connotations. Yeah. But actually it's on me to work harder and it is on me. Like it shouldn't be on the individual coming in of going, this is that space. And it could be like what the layout is or offering someone a glass of water, like really simple things. And I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just trying to think of like, no, a, I get yeah, it. human, like just yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. Um, my next question was going to be a tool on safeguarding because everybody talks about safeguarding, but what is one tool for you? So rather than making it about somebody else, and I feel like you've talked so much about like collaboration and the team and the space and so many things, I'm interested to know, how do you safeguard yourself mm. against a good day, against a challenging day? How do you safeguard yourself? Like, yeah. I guess there's a couple, of, and I think this is um, where I, like, I guess partly, like, the way that I set up a space or run a rehearsal process, I think is, is in a way, playing a part in how it can look after me, mm. or I can look after myself along with other people. Like, partly, like, I talk about playing games, because that's my way of, like, I, I learn loads about people from that. And sometimes, you know, the games change or the, the exercise might vary, but I gain information from that and it connects us. But ultimately, I think it's also setting up a rhythm or some a style of being in the space with others that should a day come where I'm like, oh, this is, this is heavy yeah. for whatever reason. My check-in is there to go, and I'll be honest in that, like I won't give out all the information we're going like today is a difficult day or whatever where I'm at so I'm being open and transparent in that and then and then the play is where I'm sometimes I'm like right I need this game because I need to shape this out I need to move or I need to like just be still I need to breathe whatever that might be Uh. and it very rarely like you know I think once or twice it might like where I've gone okay I need I just need to run like I think majority of my rehearsal time I think like it's very much for the room yeah. Right? Or trying to get some the beat of the story or like something's not working, we need to do this. But 20% of it, like sometimes is for me, maybe even less than that. But I have to kind of put that in because I'm like, otherwise I'm just going to carry it for ages. But at its extreme version, like in terms of safeguard, like just knowing my boundaries and, 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 and especially over the last, I'd say seven, eight years, if not longer, I'm just very clear about my boundaries. 
um, <laughs> rehearsals and on other parts of the job or even when I'm not I wasn't working just those communications that I have going actually what I'm not willing to compromise on yeah you know? and and I think that's where it's coming back to if you're within an organization knowing what systems and policies are in place mm. um, and if it's a new organization going actually who who are my points of contact who do I need to like cool. and being really honest and then going actually it's it's not a reflection on me doing a bad job it's going no actually I don't need to tolerate this behavior or this environment which I wish I knew in my mid-20s <laughs> but you know that's the thing like I think often well, for my my experience of it and, and experience of my, I guess, peers or people that I were around, we, we would think of it as a reflection on us not being able to do the job mm. rather than going, actually, it's it's the environment that's not right for us. And I think that in itself can be quite a burden sometimes. Not a burden, but it's, it's part of the job. For me, it's part of the job of calling something out. And maybe maybe people see you as a troublemaker or whatever. I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, right, great, whatever. Move on. Yeah, like it's not, and and often actually people are really like gracious with it. They go, thank you, like this is an area we need to work on. But yeah, I think it's important to not, not to carry it all. Like one person can't solve all of those things. And then the other thing outside of rehearsals, I guess the rehearsal process or the organisation, just having your people, like who's your people that you go chat to and like, or just go have a, I think it's important to not forget who who that is. Yeah, family, friends and people who you've worked with or you know. And, and I think that's, that's really important to have, you know, when things are great and you're smashing it and doing it, brilliant, everyone's there. But then there'll be time where things aren't so great and it's like, who's there? So it's important to um, keep, keep, keep your, yeah, keep in touch with your people. All right, should we do some fire rounds? Um, I'm so brilliant at this, everybody. No, you are. I'm just cognizant of time. That is the main reason. Okay. Um, what's your favorite part of the job? Oh, the joy that I see on people's faces. Nice. See, concise. Three things this industry uh, could do with and three things it could do without. Just like listening to people. Get rid of your gatekeepers. Oh, sorry, that's without. That's okay. That's <laughs> um, um, centering care. Mm. every like across the board and then what was the second one what it could do without oh wait yeah what it could do without oh i mixed it up that's okay yeah um oh my gosh so much why like what could it do without like you know there's that twitter thing from the tangled there's that image right where there's i can't remember the guy's name but it's got all of these swords at him and the tweet oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what opinion will put you into this position that's what this is i'm trying to be I'm Are not. Oh my gosh, no! But I'm trying to like because it's such a big question. But I'm just like this. The giggles. And I go, but I'm gonna make like I think it needs to invest in like arts with the young people. Like that's where it's at. Oh, I have Jobs. the opposite answer to that. I think there's too much money being pumped into 25 and 30 under. No, I'm saying younger. I'm like saying 18 and under. I am. Done. And I don't mean artists. I mean all jobs. Like. I I'm like pump it up, like 30 years old and above. We need more money mm-hmm. in there as well. No, but it needs legacy. Like it needs, like it needs not these one-off. Like need to stop doing these parachuting in projects. That's what it needs to uh, stop. Uh, it needs to stop this hard-to-reach nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm sick and tired of that. Some people need those though. But then, who's hard to reach? Why? There's nothing hard to reach. We're not hard to reach. Just get out of our way. That. Yeah, but you say oh, there you go. So then it goes into gatekeeping. So get get no, rid of the yeah. yeah, but I think this narrative. I think it's it's the language that we use. Like in all serious, like I think. It comes back like the language that the theatre, not just the theatre industry, like I think like just the language that we use for certain groups of people. Yeah. It's just like it's deeply problematic. Oh, and right. that that needs to change. 
Okay. And I, I'm trying, but basically the reason I posed, it wasn't me being political. I was trying to Got think it. of something which was like, we know all the usual stuff. I'm like, but what could be like really, I don't know, man. Did I move I on? I just think all artists just set your own metrics, man. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, but that's a hard thing to do. It's a but, deep- uh, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to decode when the industry has kind of like codified certain things for you. Exactly, unlearn it, undo it. Yeah. Spend some time unlearning it. Yeah. yeah, Of course, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's shit. All right. Um, uh, one thing that you would like to impart on somebody, but you never got told in all your years of experience. One singular thing. Like even toppest of the top, right? Nobody really knows everything. Yeah, we're all learning. Fabulous. Don't, don't wait until you know everything. Got Sorry, it. Trying to wrap it up, but keep going. <laughs> One thing you would like for people to take uh, with them from being around you. Good times. Had a laugh. Good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> um, what is your strength? You would say as an overall creative, and something that you feel like is also a challenge that you're continuously working on. I think my strength is, and I say this based on like the various rooms and people have been around like I think is how I how I hold the load with people like I, I like that kind of like I've got people's back okay do you know what I mean like it's yeah. like we're a team like I think especially as a director like it's going like this is my team like it's on I'm accountable no matter what's happened along the way like ultimately like and, and I think that dialogue is really people feel like yeah it is a dialogue back and forth in that yeah I'd say I've got people's back a challenge I think the one that is like, which I have to, I think I've constantly, like, probably my entire adult life, I've probably been battling, and some of it's probably been become more conscious in like the last 15 years. It's like, I am not gonna on my own solve the oh the problems the, of the world the problem do you know what i mean all of that yeah. stuff but when you see it in in spaces and things and it's like how trying to like i think like for me that uh, that fight will always be the fight whether i'm doing theater or when i'm whether i'm running my own coffee shop which in the parallel maybe smino is doing that yeah but i think it's the challenge is for it not for to not be consumed by it Got and it. because that's ultimately the the goal of you know things like that is for you to be distracted by all of that and be consumed by it and 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 it's really heavy yeah so the challenge is like finding that balance of course doing that work but then also going actually where's the joy and where's the light and where's the goodness and where's the thing that recharge and restore you because mm. um, it's a very fine line very true all right we've got to be rapid now these are philosophical questions but oh, you gotta be now oh, oh your thoughts on which i have with conversations with lots of people who are outside of london on the theater space that is often divided between like let's say london west end or regional theater that's it that's that's it do you know what i've never come across what's funny is like i remember when i was playing for i2 r2 ids yeah i think one of the questions were like what's my thoughts on regional london like i get it i get it but i just i just find it deep and just not useful like as as uh, I, maybe i'm I assuming uh, maybe i'm assuming your like audience for this podcast like as art it's just not useful I agree. Just another distraction, man. Like all of these, I mean, we've got enough divides everywhere. I just don't understand why, and, especially in the world of co-productions, I don't understand yeah. why it exists. And also, no offense, London fam, I just don't see the big deal. <laughs> this is another one where it's going to get me. I'm just like, no. just make good work, good stories. There you I go. Just, I just don't like this again. That's going to be the. My, it's not one of my metrics. It's not one of my metrics. Oh, that's going to be the title of the episode. Just make good work. Just yeah. make good work. With Samina Hussain. Um, freelancers versus contracted uh, to an organization. What do you feel like uh, was a challenge and a joy of being a freelancer that now you have? 
versus uh, okay having been both i think freelancers like you can wrap it you can you can manage your own like the time is like dictated slightly differently the joy of being in the building like i think there's that like overarching long-term planning you you can get into all the crevices of a of a space it's all cool all right you <laughs> gotta like pressure you gotta answer we've gotta leave it like 10 minutes okay cool let's go your thoughts on the future of theater where it's going go where's it good it's it, it's gonna get good okay <laughs> <laughs> right, are... ah, it's just the pressure of like it's okay it's all right uh authentic... don't invite me to a game show so no, you you're fine you're fine you're fine you, you got... oh that was a... you gotta scrap that question that was such an awful answer no, i haven't got a good one Okay, well then go for it. Give me the answer. Watch out. Oh. It's coming. Oh, that's better than it's going good. But do you know what? I think there's like lots of stuff happening now where I'm like, I'm just waiting for like when people just are going to like... Push off. Yeah, and rise yeah. off. There's a real like momentum in the air. The last right. five years. These are, these are deep questions, but I feel like you can do this if you fire through them. Authenticity versus representation of the story. I'm intrigued to know, since you're at a space now that is associate director, let's say if the authenticity uh, or the specificity of a story calls for a Bangladeshi trans woman, that's mm-hmm. the story that you're being told. Do you feel like the person needs to be at the Bangladeshi trans? And does the team need to reflect that? Oh, um, I'd say, yeah based on that particular example yes because yeah. i think there's no there's no room for yeah yes short answer sure answer. based based on that like cause otherwise if if that voice isn't present in the telling of the story i don't think anybody else should be like mm-hmm. what are we the pool is that small yeah. like i don't know i don't know how many bangladeshi trans youth stories sorry i can't remember the third description of their character but like that voice has to be at the center of it and driving it got it i only say that because sometimes people's way out is that those aspects need to reflect in the creative team however like i think within the south asian diaspora there's so many things that are diluted so like Mm -hmm. even including ourselves like i'm mixed but i want to be able to play just peter from essex but Also, like, can a Pakistani person or an Indian person or a Guju person play that Bangladeshi role if they're able to do it service? You know what? I think it. This is where I think it's it's not so much about like I've been like I've been in those situations where I'm trying to cast somebody of the and and that pool gets smaller and smaller and you kind of go actually, as much as people say it's to do with the casting and the theatres that need to do it, but there's something within that trajectory begins where like who gets to decide they're going to go? When do people decide they they want to become an actor? At what age? What are the the pathways into that so yeah. it's not do you know what i mean like even if as a director or a team you're ready to take that on that pool is so small so i think there's changes that institutional changes that need to happen or like educationally things need to shift of, of who has access to train to become a performer or to even aspire to be that yeah. i think back to your question about who gets to play i think it's i don't think it's as simple as i think it's much more complex like that and i and, and I, I do agree with you not like it shouldn't be that you only get to play Ali Amjad and whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like it can be that you do get to play the Peters and the Marks as well. So I think it's. I just think a lot of like care needs to go into that. Like it's mm. not not. I think a lot of flippant decisions tend to be made and and or people are like scapegoated into it. It's like if you if you've made a decision, then stand by it back it i feel like i need to ask stop asking this question maybe just as a quick round because i really want to dive into this question but i can't (laughs) interested to know um your personal preference of doing rep pieces versus doing new work because i had a challenge for one of the statement that you made 
And I don't know if you want me to read it or not. Go on. Which is a personal challenge. You did the Christmas Carol and the question was, how do you feel like it's still contemporary? And you Mm -hmm. talked about the fact that we still have food banks as an issue and that people are working nine to five who still are having to go to food banks. Mm -hmm. I understand the relevancy of it, but I was like, surely I understand that Christmas Carol is such a... um, I don't know what the legacy piece, let's say for use of Mm -hmm. that word, it's such a part of like lineage and history and things like that. Mm -hmm. But surely if we're trying to tell stories that reflect contemporary world, we can Mm -hmm. find nuanced or new work to reflect that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess in response to that, like, I think this comes back to something that we were talking about earlier, like at Christmas time, what show sells, what people want to see, like, and and this is across the board, like it it needs to be a sellout. So there's, there's that side of things. I think as a story, it does reflect, like, it's, it's kind of sad. Like we've come back, like child poverty in the UK has not been this bad since the Dickensian times. Right. That's the reality that we're in. But it is watching question time. (laughs) Right. So there's that. But then there's also like, I think with that, with the version that we directed in whole last year, like, I think for me, it was also about going, actually, who else was around that time? Deaf people have been around for a long time. Black and brown people within Britain have been around since the Dickensian times. So I think it was, there's ways of still making it contemporary and relevant. And sometimes actually it does take the red pieces to land certain things. And and, and for me, there's not a preference over one or the other. For me, it's about, am I, do I have, am I the right person? Do I have something to say about this? Yeah. You know, what does this story mean to me and how do I want to reflect on it? And And sometimes it's also about stepping away and going, actually, I'm not the right person for this. Yeah. And that could be both new writing and a classic going, that's great, you want to do this, but I'm not your person, but how about so-and-so, you know? So, again, like, I think it speaks to time. <laughs> I don't think it's it's ever about it's just, yeah, it's not a straight answer. It's going, actually, what situation a comp- like an organisation is in. Yeah. Like, I wish it was in a way, I was in a world where I can go, I want to direct the show and it just happens. And maybe there are people out there who kind of just pick up. From- Tell us who you are then. Pick up, pick up a play from the shelf and go, hmm, I'll just make some calls. <laughs> I'll get, I'll activate my WhatsApp group. Maybe <laughs> it happens for them, but do you know what I mean? Like, rest of us, we need to... Go through the channels. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm all right with that, actually. Like, I feel like going, okay, what what is it that I can bring to it? And, and then it helps, it challenges me in that sense. All right, I got to speed through these questions. I got to cut some things. What's, well, what's, what's, what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today? Jaldi! <laughs> I just say, like, it just keep, you, you're all right. I don't know, like... Just be kind, man. Just be kind. Um, Peaks and valleys is a question I ask everybody. A peak is a high point of your personal or professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? I mean, being an auntie personally is like the best thing in the world for me. But professionally, like I think the peak. Do you know what? Ah, no, that's too heavy. We don't want to keep it heavy. Like, I keep it heavy. Also, we <laughs> we've discussed a lot of heavy shit on this. Do you know what? I'll be honest. Like, and, and this is like maybe an overshare, but like. For me, before I got the job for the RTYDS, I decided to like take a six month break to look after my mom because she'd been um, diagnosed with breast cancer at the time and she's doing well and she's in remission now. And then I got the call uh, for RTYDS like the Friday before and my mom's going to have the chemo next week. Right. And and the date for the start day was like a week after her chemo would finish. So like for six months, I was going to be off work. And I'm like, I'm literally in the March her chemo started in March. I knew I'd be going into a job in September. 
Yeah. For me, that's like, I don't know if it's a high, but there was just something about it that in the elements, everything was like there was a God watching and my mom was just felt really relaxed and happy that she wasn't like sabotaging my career. And there was lots of fears and anxieties about like giving up work and all of that stuff. And so it's not like a professional high, but I think for me, sometimes there was a moment there where I was like, the universe is bringing something together. It was very much an Om Shanti Om moment for me. Ah, wah, wah. There we go. And low point was, oh gosh, how many? Low point, I don't know. Because you get through them, don't you? So it's hard to like... What do you feel like you've learned from all of your low points? How about that? Batch um, all the low points together. What do you feel like you've learned through them? Fam- family's everything. For me, that's the thing. Like For, for me anyway, like they, they've had my back, no matter how low things have got. Well, then this question goes perfectly with the next one. I feel like a person who's convicted in their path has three amazing pillars that supports them. One is confidence and grit, whether you have that innately or you pick that up from your yeah. surroundings. One is, the second one is spirituality. So that can be like religion or generally energy or spirituality, whatever you want to call it. And third is support. That can be financial, that can be emotional, that can be family, that can be friends, partner, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like not knowing anything about you and just knowing very little, do you feel like if you didn't have like, let's say the support of your family, all of the work that you've done and all things, would you be the person that you are today? or find a path to where you are today and continue to do the work that you're doing? I can categorically tell you, if it wasn't for my family, absolutely not. Okay. If, if it wasn't, for, yeah. I can pinpoint to the time where that was a pivotal point. I would have been a broken, damaged 16-year-old with confidence completely shared with by this ugly, dark world. Like, also, like, I, uh, like, I thank from the stars, man, like, my family. All right, the next out is... Child, play with rhymes. James, we're going to do everything very quickly, very quickly. We've got five minutes. If you were a movie, what would the title of that movie be? Original, go, quickly. Archelo. Archelo. What would the logline be on IMDb? Quickly, go. She, she, she said she would and she did. Oh, <laughs> give me three actors that will star in it. Four, three, two, one. Amita uh, Bachchan, Rajnikanth, and Kajal. Um, do you want to sing me the su- title song now as well? In four, three, two, go. I don't know where we do that. Ah, oh, cello, cello. That's it. I have no idea. Air Rahman will be composing, so I don't need to worry about it. Okay, good. Um, if you were a drink, what drink would you be? I would be right now. I'd be an affogato. If you were a food, what would you be? Kima Peranta. If you were a fruit, what would you be? Ooh, can I be two? Lychee and a watermelon. Can you tell I'm fasting, guys? If you were a dessert, what would you be? First thing that comes uh, into your head. Uh, no, because that's not the one that I want to be. But it's I the first thing be that a comes classic into your head. Okay. All the way. Fine. Fine. No, Faluda. Uh, kid, if you were a clothing item, what would you be? Oh, I'd be a classy shalwar kameez. If you were a flower... Punjabi style. If you were a flower or a plant, which one would you be and what type? Mm, gladioli. Okay. This is have you ever, and quickly, um, have you ever hooked up with a fellow artist or admirer? No. This gets like very coffee with current. Now we're getting racy. Um, have you ever flirted to get ahead? Oh, no. What is wrong with people in the entertainment industry? It's all about doing those things and not having ethics. <laughs> Have you ever? Uh, Have you ever seen me flirt? <laughs> my flag is just in the corner. No, I'm kidding. Have you ever peed while swimming? No. Have you ever forgotten the words and made it up on the spot? For what? Like for anything? What do you mean? Anything like monologue or like you had a speech prepared, a presentation, and you forgot and you made it up on the spot? Uh, no, I don't 
so not that I couldn't fall. Wow, so you're very you're on there. Okay. Have you ever eaten from this podcast? <laughs> have you ever eaten within a couple of seconds or something dropped on the floor and you were like, oh, three second rule? I happen, you know. Not that I'm against it, but I've just never found myself in that situation. What is this good girl situation that is happening? I don't know. I I I'm I'm all for five second rules. I don't even say three second. Okay. All right. What would you rather? Cookies or cake? Cake. Rich or fame? Neither. They both make me uncomfortable. One. Pick one and quickly. Rich or fame? Rich, I guess. A critical acclaim or win lots of awards? Critical acclaim. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Prime's letting me down. Fairy tales, mythological tales or real life stories? Real life stories. World peace I or equality? What piece or equality? <laughs> why, is that, why is that take me so long? I don't know. Let's say, let's say world peace. No, wait. Jalebi or Glad Jamad? Ooh, Jalebi all the way. Oh, God. I've had to scrap so many good questions because of this, but this I have to do. This the next section is called Can You Improv, though? So you were a performer, okay? You're also a theatre maker now, so you have the choice either between creating a 30-second monologue when I give you these three words mm-hmm. or pitching me a story that you're going to direct. Which one would you like to? But you have to make sure that you include these three words in either of those. Okay, can I make the decision after I've heard the words? Yeah, the words are sunshine, uh-huh. cacophony, uh-huh. darlings. Oh, freaking hell. Okay. What will it be? Um, let's. I'm a pitch. Uh, let's pitch a show. Let's pitch a show. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. All right. And in five, four, three, two, one, go. So I would like to make a children's theatre piece, which is centered around four penguins who have, are on the search for sunshine, and on their travels they attract the most gorgeous, darling little creatures. Um, who caused this cacophony of music and the penguins are just absolutely overwhelmed by them that they're completely distracted until one of the penguins reminds them that they need to find the sunshine and then the darlings help them along. If anyone makes that show, watch it. Basically, <laughs> I feel like what I should start doing is like put these at sound bites and just put it, would you commission this show and then tag you in it. Totally. All right. We've come to the end of the show. We're going to end with two wonderful things. One is called Bitch Don't, okay? Everybody loves a rant. I love a rant. You love a rant. You get to rant about anything and everything that you want. However, the condition is you have to start your rant with Bitch Don't or end your rant with Bitch Don't. And you get 30 seconds. Are you ready? Okay, cool. Okay. In three, two, one, go. Bitch Don't, man. I'm not interested in your internalized racism and this nonsense that i just can't be asked with it like it proper vexes me when people do that especially this like not paying respect to what our like elders have done for us can you imagine packing your bags and just arriving in this place like that that i can't do with like people who just do not appreciate like what our elders have done for us so i'm gonna end it with bitch don't as well if that's all right You don't have to ask, it's your rant. (laughs) And the last question I have for you is, I am very much in my path of finding joyfulness and bringing joyfulness to other people. What is one thing that you do for yourself that makes you feel joyful? And what is one thing you do for others that makes them feel joyful? I think being there for people when I say I'm going to be there, like I think there's something really in just being present with people, actually. I'm going to say that, being present, and whether that's a really small interaction or something that's been long plan, like it's not to underestimate what that does for someone when you just give your hundred percent attention. And yeah, and also it gives back to you. Like I think I think we're in a time in a world where everything's so fast paced and it's like 
moving on to the next thing. And I think, yeah, just being present, truly present. And what's one thing you do for yourself? Like I, 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 throughout the year, I will tell like how I've checking points and and just checking that I still like myself. Okay. Who I am as a human being, like there's like self appraisals, <laughs> not so for not so formal because that sounds really boring. But like, do you know what I mean? Dedicated time throughout the year where I just yeah. This is a stop. Checking to me now. How are you doing? How's life? Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow, and the people that are on here. Thank you again, and as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go, which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted and I will sue. (laughs) Joking. Have a great one and stay curious till next time.